Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hello all again and welcome to episode 3 of MBA Holes. We are moving along quite nicely. Um, my name is Joe Connors. I'm with my co-host Dave Hendrick. How are you my friend? I'm good mate. I'm good. Nice to talk about the basketball. Makes a change from the daily grind of talking about football. Yeah, daily grind of football will really beat you down if you let it. Um, I sometimes is one, or is one of those people, but let's switch to something we both really enjoy and we seem to have a following already, and that's a good thing. So I want to start off with a Twitter question um, from a gentleman named Rick. His handle is at RicardoDino11. Yeah, good um, guy. He's a good guy. Yeah, he's a nice guy. He's a real nice guy. I believe he's a fellow American, too, so nice he, to have he, you He's a guy that knows his Italian soccer well worth a follow for anyone who likes Serie A. Yes, yes, he does. No doubt about it. Um, so his question to us, and I'll let you handle this one first, and I'll answer it. It's a two-part question. He asked, who do you think wins Rookie of the Year, and who will be the five worst teams in the league next season? Rookie of the Year, I'm going to go for Dennis Smith Jr. A couple of reasons. Number one, I think he's got the best coach of any of those rookies. Um, Rick Carlisle is phenomenal. He's one of the top three coaches in the NBA. Uh, I just think his style of play as well will, will fit really well with Carlisle. And he's going to have more of the ball. Like, Lonzo's going to have a lot of the ball, and Markel Fultz will have a fair bit, but Smith is going to be handed the car keys probably from day one, and they're trying to build for post-Dirk. So I think this will become Smith's team quite early. Um, and he just has that Dame Lillard-type mentality. He could be the next Dame. Um he has that type of mentality. He has a similar skill set. So I'd go for him. Um, in terms of the five worst teams, uh, it's hard. It's a it's a great question. It is because there's so brutally. many bad teams. Yeah. <laughs> um, I would say, I think the Lakers will be maybe the fifth worst team, but I do like the signing of KCP. Mm-hmm. Me too. Um, I think Orlando will be in that five. 
Brooklyn, probably. Yep, I agree so far. Although I like what they've done in free agency and, and, and with their trades. I think they're making the right moves for where they are. Um, yeah, they're trying to get out of an, one of the worst messes ever. Yeah, Bill, so- Bill, Billy King created it. Shit. So yeah. Like, what, a, what an idiot. Uh, I think like, I think if the Knicks trade Mellow, oh yeah, purely because look, Porzingis is great, but mm-hmm. he's not the type of guy that's going to really create his own offense. He's going to need guys to get him the ball, and they don't have anybody. And they've Correct. just given a stupid contract to Tim Hardaway Jr. Yeah, it's just we talked about that last week. Just just fucking oh. stupid. Yeah, and I, one- <laughs> I think Atlanta by design. I think yeah. Atlanta because I think yep. they're they're just looking to bottom out. I would agree with your top five. One team I I wanted to throw in there as well, um, Chicago Bulls. Yes, yeah, because they're I, going to be messy. Because I I have a feeling, and it's a sneaky feeling that Dwayne Wade, not that he matters a ton anymore, but he's, as you and I both know, he can still ball. Hmm. I I don't know if he's going to be there. No, I um, think he's gone. I think. And they gone. have yeah, they either they have a bunch of either crap young talent. Or rookies. Mm. So that, that might be the only other team. Maybe the Phoenix Suns, but they, uh, we'll see. They were with the first. I kind of think the Suns, just with Jackson, because I think he's yeah. ready to go now. Yeah. Plus Booker is going to be in another year in. That's year three for him. And Bledsoe. Bledsoe's pretty good. And I think we'll see more of Chris and Bender this year as well. And they've still got Tyson Chandler and a couple of decent veterans. So. Um, I, I kind of like the one thing that's letting them down, in my view, is their coach. I just don't think he's any good. No, me either. But I do think they have the talent to push their way out of that five. And how nice is it that for the first time in a long time, you're not mentioning the Sixers and I'm not mentioning the Wolves. It's been one of the worst yeah. teams in the league. That's it. Uh, yeah, it's funny because it, you know, you you look at these list of teams and you're so used to saying, "Oh, these two teams suck." They're automatically in the top five. And whereas with the Lakers, you're, you know, you're not used to that and things like that. Well, I mean, the last couple of years you have been, but generally you're not used to it. So yeah, that, and the, the Kings bo- have probably pulled themselves out of that group as well. I was just going to them right, right now. Yeah. I mean, they have for as dumb as their general manager is, um, they still have Darren Fox, Buddy Heald. They signed George Hill. Um, you know, they did sign. He's not a great sign, but Zach Randolph. Zebo, probably- yeah will probably keep them out of being the top five team. So I basically agree with your top five teams there. And as far as rookie of the year, you actually stole my pick, you prick. <laughs> uh, so I'm going to try to – so I'll give one outside the box, um, and that one is Donovan Mitchell, Ooh, who like is a Utah player. He played great in the summer league, which I guess we all know means jack shit. But the one thing that he shows you when he plays is that he's fearless. Mm. He's not afraid to take a shot. He's my outside box. You took my pick. And the only other logical guy I can think of is Lonzo Ball. And that's because... Actually, we've missed somebody. We've both well, missed I, somebody. Not, I not, thought about Jason Tatum, but I don't think he's going to get no, the minutes. No, Ben Simmons. Oh, you know what? I, I thought about him, but here's my thing. And it's kind of the same thing that happened. It's a great shot on your part. It's basically the same thing that happened with the Rookie of the Year. Two Sixers canceled each other out. Yeah, I have a feeling they could... That's what happens, and that's why I didn't put him in there. So I think Lonzo Ball, because I think the NBA wants the Lakers to do well, and it makes sense. I have no problem with that. It's not a anti-Lakers person, even though I'm not a fan, obviously, because um, you know Philadelphia and LA have history, and I'm not 
huge on them, but um, I just think he's going to have the ball in his hands all the time. Uh, they're not going to be great, but he's going to fill up a stat sheet. Now, he can't shoot still, but, you know, remember Michael Carter Williams won a uh, rookie of the year. Man, so he can't shoot. <clears throat> yeah, he, he still do anything. Yeah, basically, yeah, and he had basically had one decent year. So I'm gonna go since you took my pick. I'll say Lonzo Ball or Donovan Mitchell. So to move on to what Dave and I were gonna hit the meat of of our agenda, um, this is kind of the slow part of the season in the NBA. Summer league is over. Um, NBA doesn't start for a few more months, but we have a lot of topics to talk about. So the first one I kind of brought up, which was, I'll ask you, Dave, expansion. Um, do you feel that there's too many teams in the NBA? And my second part to that was, if you do feel that, who do you think the NBA should take franchise away from? Oh. Yeah, um, so three for a loop. See, in a way, I, I don't think there's too many teams, but I do think the the way it's split, the conferences, the divisions, I just think that's badly done. Um, and I think mm-hmm. there's a couple of teams in cities that they shouldn't be in. Like, how is it that we have a team in Atlanta who can't draw and we have, you know, no team in, in Seattle? How, how is that? I, I don't understand that. That's... So, someone needs to explain that to me. Um, I, I look around and I see, like, you know, when, when the Nets wanted to move, they should have been, they should have been Shanghai to Seattle. Somebody like the, the NBA should have gotten involved. I don't think New York needs two basketball teams because they Me both, either. they both suck. Um, you know, you, well, and the, and the Knicks are such a storied franchise. So you just do the law of averages. They're brutal now, but eventually mm. they're going to be the Knicks again. Yeah. And then everybody's going to jump on their bandwagon. It's the and same I'm not with talking. the Clippers and the Lakers. Like That's LA exactly. doesn't need two basketball teams. I'm sorry. They don't. I don't, I don't believe they do either. I don't believe, um, I think they're big time front runner fan bases, but that's neither here nor there. No, I uh, totally they, agree. And they have their steady fan bases just like anybody else does. I'm not taking that away from, but mm. you can't tell me with a straight face that they're the number one in that city. They never will be. Nor will any of their sports teams because they're in Hollywood and that, that's what is the popular thing now. You know, not now. It has been for forever. So, Go ahead, I kind of interrupt. You, you look at the Clippers, right? They're in that, in the LA market. They're behind the Lakers, obviously, the Dodgers. There's now two NFL teams in LA. Yeah. And there's UCLA basketball and football, especially football. And, and U- USC, especially yeah. football. Like the, the Clippers, there's no real audience for them. I don't think anyone would miss the Clippers if the Clippers got, were up and moved. Uh, I've never seen anybody wearing Clippers gear except at Clippers games. So, yeah. like, the Clippers would make sense in Seattle. Um, the Nets shouldn't have been allowed to go to... I know it's Brooklyn, it's not, you know, it, it's not uh, Manhattan, but at the same time, there's just... It, no, stop it. Um, Atlanta, I just don't think... There's a real market there for them. Like even when they are good, they're still not selling out. There's empty seats. No, and it's a shame. Game. And it, you know, it is a shame because they've had like you look back over the last 
12 years. They've had some really good teams there. Like that team with Joe Johnson and Josh Smith, they were oh, really yeah. good. And now this team that's just broken up now with Millsap, Horford, those guys, that was a really good team. They won 60 games. So Teague was on that team. You know, they're, yeah, they're, they're all, you know, Kyle Corver and Damari Carroll. Like that was a really good team. I, I don't know. Like it, it's, it's an odd one for me that there's just, there's no, still no team in Seattle, but it's crazy. For me, I, I, other than LA and New York and those two teams, like the only reason I wouldn't take the Hawks away is because there are hardcore fans in Atlanta that don't have another basketball team. They've got like University of Georgia and Georgia Tech, but they don't have another NBA franchise. The Clippers fans and the Nets fans, you, you guys, like the Clippers fans weren't Clippers fans when they were in San Diego. No. Um, the, the Nets fans, that go now, they weren't Nets fans when they were in New Jersey. Like, I remember hearing this, maybe it was like two years ago on the Zach Lowe podcast, The Low Post. Yeah, um, podcast. That the Nets were number 31 in merchandising sales. And they'd moved to Brooklyn at that point. They were number 31 in merchandising sales. Now, there's 30 teams in the NBA. They were number 31 because the Seattle Supersonics, who've been dead for, what, eight years now? Yeah. Are still selling more than them. Now, that was two years ago. Maybe that's changed. I don't, I don't know. But I don't see... I think the Nets is more of a... It's a social event. It's something trendy to do, to go to a Nets game. There's no hardcore Nets fans. Um, so, for me, take the Nets, take the Clippers. Either do away with them and bring the NBA down to 28 teams. Or, preferably, put one of them in Seattle. And then... Fine, maybe like Kansas City or St. Louis. St. Louis would embrace a team. They had an ABA team. Um, they've just lost their football team. Yeah, St. Louis tough. might embrace a team, you know? And, and that's a, an area where they'd have pretty much a monopoly on it because there's no other team in that kind of area. No, there's really not. And speaking of St. Louis, that's uh, Stan Kroenke, who was famous for being Arsenal's mm. uh, head guy. So if people didn't know that, um, one of the most biggest assholes, yeah. business guys you'll ever meet in your entire life yeah. um, could lie about killing your mom right to your face without blinking. Um, I do agree with you there. I, I really think that Seattle needs a team. Um I think it's criminal that they don't have a team and they were screwed over by the NBA. And I think eventually that'll, that'll be that, that wrong will be righted because it's been 10 years. Can you believe that? Yeah. 10 years. Ten Do you years. remember their, can you name me their last first round pick in their last draft? Russell Westbrook or Kevin uh, Durant? It's one of the Kevin, Kevin Durant. Kevin Durant. Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. So yeah, yeah. Kevin Durant and then they moved. Yeah. And then it was Big Russ. So Big Russ and about what do you, him. So the game is, to stay on the same topic, the game is immense worldwide. Yeah. Um, the game is also immense in England, which will may, maybe some of the England people who follow the NBA will know this, but I believe that very soon you're going to see a team in London. Do you know what? You have no idea how much I'm going to hate that, though, if that happens. I, and, and I agree with you. And I, I hate the idea. I I hate the idea of the NFL putting a team there. That it's that's going to happen too. Just going to make things so difficult. And here's the thing: all the games for they, the NBA is going to be brutal. They're going to be at such a disadvantage 
Because nobody's going to want to go and play for them. No free agent is ever going to go and sign for a team in London. London's a great city. It's an incredible place to live. But it is. no player is going to want to sign up. Five years of going back and forth across the Atlantic, twice a week potentially. No way is is that feasible. It, it might be slightly feasible for the NFL purely on the basis of there's only 16 games, so maybe you do it in blocks where t- the team plays... Mm-hmm. has two home games, then two road games, then two home games, etc. It will not work in the NBA, in my view, but I do think they will try it. I would much rather see them put a team in Mexico City. I actually actually totally would agree with that. Vancouver. I know they tried Vancouver before and it didn't work. Yeah. And on the I- topic of that, can someone please change the Memphis Grizzlies name? Please. There are no yeah. grizzly bears in Memphis. No, there's absolutely not. It's like they Utah, be- the jazz. There's Blues. no jazz music in Utah. No, there's there's not many jazz bars. Um, so that's a great shout about Mexico and Canada, because I believe Canada really should have mm. two teams in the NBA, um, whether that's Vancouver or not. Now, Vancouver, if people don't know, um, is legitimately, legitimately one of the most beautiful cities yeah. on the planet. Um, it really is. Uh, but the Mexico City shout, our buddy Armando would probably love that. I'm sure he would love that as well. Yeah, because, I mean, they've done a few games down there they over have? the last couple of years. I remember the, the Wolves were meant to play the Spurs down there, but someone let off, like, a fire extinguisher or something <laughs> crazy. Um, but, like, there's a market there in, in Mexico, for sure. Basketball's huge in Mexico. Um, London, to me, would just be... It, it just it would fail miserably, is all I can no. You know. you know the Sixers are playing the Celtics in a home game there, right? I know, and, and I think it's massively unfair. I, I do too, and it's a it's a home game for us, so it takes away a season ticket for uh, Philadelphia Sixers yeah. fans. Although I'm sure they'll probably work some way out with that. But here's the thing: our owner is one Joshua Harris. Do you know who Joshua Harris owns? Oh, no, Joshua Harris. Also owns one Crystal Palace. Oh, wow. Crystal Pal- yeah, and Crystal Palace plays in, I believe it's East London? You South know London. London. South London. They play, South just, London. yeah, they play just outside Croydon. Okay. Um, I, was, I know you know London more than I do, but yes, he is the owner of the Crystal Palace Eagles. Um, so that's why this is happening. It's a little fun fact, and I believe, I just know how these guys work. And you know how these guys work. They feel, it's a feel-out process, and if you can make money on it and it's feasible, it's basically a done deal. But I, I do agree with you there. I, I just don't know. It's an 82-game season. How do you do 41 games yeah. across the like, – How are you going to tell the Lakers, by the way, you're going to have yeah. to fly to L- from L.A. to London for one game, one That's night, right. and fly back and then play probably two nights later? It's not – it's going yeah, to be MP- ridiculous. Any team on the West Coast, it's not, it's unfair to every one of them yeah. because there are already three hours. I mean, the West Coast has already get screwed for American sports because our seven o'clock games, it's four o'clock over there. Yeah, you know, it's so. I mean, it's so different because of the three hour time difference. So, all right, that's um, we kind of both think that would be a bad idea. So let's move on to the next thing. This is something you brought up, and I feel uh, I'm two sides of the coin about it, but I want to hear yours first and. This is First the of all, one. actually, just just on the point about the the restructure of the NBA, mm-hmm. here's the thing: if they do do an expansion team 
in Seattle, it means they have to put another expansion team in because they have to keep the numbers even. Yes. Um, which means 30, 32, that's going to dilute the league really badly. But it will. I do want to see the league restructured. I'm sick and tired of the Timberwolves because I'm biased and also Memphis and New Orleans playing in the West. It's they're stupid. not, they're not in the West. They're in the East. Americans, unfortunately, Joe, I have to take this up with you because you're an American and you're on the line. Americans do not understand directions. Chicago and Minnesota are not the Midwest. They are east of the middle of the country. They are, if you draw a line in the middle of America, they are to the east of that line. They are not the Midwest. It needs to stop being called the Midwest. Maybe 150, 200 years ago when everyone settled on the East Coast and then began to move, you know, disperse across. At that point, it kind of made sense. Oh, he didn't go west, but he went midwest. That kind of made sense. It doesn't make sense anymore. So all the people from Chicago, all the people from Minnesota, stop referring to yourselves as the Midwest. You're in the east. You meet mid east. So I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna tell you as an American why that is, and you and you'll probably completely understand this. So I, as you know, I live in right outside of Philadelphia. I am on the east coast, people, and I don't have these thoughts because I like to think that I get along with whatever, everybody and everybody's equal, great. But there are many East Coast people who feel that the West Coast, Midwest, and the South really aren't part of America. Um, we just think that you got to remember about the East Coast and the Northeast in general is always busy, 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 running around. That's what we do. Hmm. Whether it's good or bad, that's what we do. The South is laid back. The West Coast is notoriously laid back, which is a great way to live. Um, if I had statistics in front of me, they probably live longer than us. And because they, you could argue, know how they to live definitely better. Definitely have less heart attacks. Yes, they do. Definitely yeah, have less heart attacks. <laughs> yes, they do. And that's the reason why, because places like Minnesota get forgotten about because a lot of people go, Minnesota, what, what the fuck do I want to go to Minnesota it's for? The north. About- yeah. <laughs> it's basically, it's basically Canada. Yes. It's like Buffalo, New York. It's Canada. So they don't look at it like that. Americans are very particular about where they're from and where they live. And I know you know that. Mm. Um, so the restructuring part, Dave and I, are, that's going to be a big part of our next week's topic. And we're going to break that down for people the way that we think the division should be set up. But the next topic I do want to get to is the one and done rule. And for people who don't know what that is, this is basically when kids graduate high school in America, to, if, they, if they're good enough to play in the NBA – uh, there is a rule set in place for years now that basically you have to go to one year of college, then you can declare for the draft. Now, there used to be as early as I believe, I don't know, I can't remember when it was the rule was put in, but I know Kobe was 96, LeBron came in. There used to be the rule where there was, this was not in place. You could jump from high school to the NBA. Yeah. No big deal. Now, there's two signs of the coins for me. I'll go with my first side. My first side is how do you tell a young man that he has to go to college when he's good enough to go play in the NBA? Or even if he's not good enough to go and play in the NBA, you're taking millions of dollars from a kid who's 17 or 18 because he'll be a first-round draft pick. Because, and Dave knows this, first-round draft picks in the NBA is guaranteed money for people who don't know. Now, the second round is not, but... I'm LeBron James, and you ha- and now it didn't happen to him, but I'm going to say a talent like him, and you're going to tell me that I have to go play college for one year. 
Um, I don't care about college. I'm not going to have a degree from university. But you have the other side of that, which says, and this is, see, this is the problem with it because some guys do have the talent to jump to the next level. They have no problem. They have no issue. They jump right into the league and they're fantastic. Now, it doesn't happen often. But your other side of this is that because they jump from high school to the NBA, they don't know how to play ball. The league's watered down. And I want to clear, or I should say clarify some of that. See, the bigger problem to me is not the jump. It's where these kids learn how to play basketball. Mm. There used to be, and it's why you're seeing a lot of Europeans in the league now, because they still stress the fundamentals of basketball, passing, shooting. Um, in soccer, it would be the same thing, passing, shooting. You guys would call it the technical side of the game, um, or in some cases, the tactical side of the game. So... In AAU basketball, which is what basically these kids create super teams, which is what they do in the NBA, and it's basically a showcase. It's a one-on-one drill to see who's looking at who, who's going to have the bigger name. ESPN does top 100 charts every year of kids as low as 14 years old. Yeah. I mean, it's absurd. Now, mm-hmm. in European soccer, it's not absurd, but you or, or in soccer in general. I shouldn't just generalize it as European you got to remember that soccer is a worldwide game, which I'm a Liverpool fan. Liverpool will scout in Alaska if there's a kid who's good enough. It doesn't matter. Uh, Antarctica, no matter where. So I'm, I'm, I'm on the side of you need to fix your grassroots, which is the AAU, and let these kids jump because I don't feel you should be allowed to take money from them because if a kid goes to college, right, Dave, and he tears his knee up, that could be his whole career, or well, he blows, or he blows out an Achilles. That's the then, what, then, then uh, that's exactly it. So where do you fall on this? So for me, I, I hate the one and done rule. I think it's absolute garbage. You you look at the fifty greatest players ever. How many of them went to college for one year and then left? Right, Allen Iverson, one year at Georgetown and left. Um, Kevin Durant is probably a top 50 player ever, one and done. Mm-hmm. Uh, Russell Westbrook, probably a top 50 player ever, maybe. Yeah, probably is. He won an MVP, so he probably is. Yeah, he one definitely and, will be. One and done. Yeah. You, you look at the guys that have jumped from, straight from high school and been, become a superstar. Kobe. Kevin, Dur- Kevin Garnett. Moses Malone. And LeBron. Yeah. And I don't think and I'm I, missing anybody. Yeah, I apologize. I meant Kevin Garnett and I said Durant, but no, um, I don't. Off top Tracy of my head, McGrady became a great player, but probably not as good as he could have been if he'd been taught more of the fundamentals. But you look at the best players ever, like Jordan, three years in college. Mm-hmm. Bird, three years in college. Magic, I think two years in college. Um, Isaiah, I think three years. Charles mm-hmm. Barkley, three years. Yep. You know, all these guys, Tim Duncan, Tim Duncan's arguably the greatest player of his era, which is oh, yeah. players yeah, drafted in the 90s. Yes. He went to college for three years. Four years. Oh, he went for four, he did, he went for all four years. Yes. Remember, he went back for his fourth year? Yeah, and he, yeah, because he would have been the number one pick the year before as well, which was the, yep. the Iverson draft, wasn't it? That, that's right, yeah. Um, yep. so you, you look at all these guys and, and those drafts, they were full of, kind of one and dones and and all these other guys like that 
you know, had all this incredible athletic ability and they grew up in whatever areas and they were being pushed by agents to go and get the money. And most of them flamed out, you know, and, and then when their careers are over, they've got nothing to fall back on because they don't have an education. They also don't know how to manage the money because they've never been educated on how to manage the money. It's just, here's a load of money, go mad. Like Alan Iverson, that Dark. man made a crazy amount of money. <laughs> He's broke. Now, he is going to get money because Philly were incredibly good to him and structured his contract in a way that in later years, he's going to receive substantial amounts of money. As well, he has the, yeah, you're right. And he has also has, uh, Reebok did the same thing yeah, with him. You know, so, but, so, so they were looking out for him. Even if the, his inner circle weren't looking out for him, the people that made money off him, they were looking out for him. Um, but Stephen Marbury made a load of money. He's broke. Mm-hmm. He's, he's off pimping himself in China every year. <laughs> um, so for me, well, for me, I think, if you want to go straight out of high school and gamble, fine. But if you commit to college, you've got to go for a minimum of two years. Because I don't wow. think, you don't learn anything in one year. Look at Andrew Wiggins. That guy basically was on a college campus for six months. He yes. didn't learn anything. And he was always one and done. The same with Carl Towns, every player that goes through Kentucky, Joel Embiid, all these guys, as soon as they set foot sure. on college campus, the clock starts ticking for when they're leaving. And they've been basically forced into these high-pressure situations in college because you're only here for one year. We've got to win because all the players we had last year, they left after the first year. So we've got to win. But while while the coaches are trying to coach them to win, they're also recruiting for next year because they have to have the best recruit classes. So you, you really wonder, are they getting the basketball education that they would get Years ago, under the likes of Dean Smith, before before Coach K became a one and done oh, yeah. kind of coach, he yeah. used to take players like look at Grant Hill. I think he was three years at Duke. Um, yes, would he'd be a top ten player of all time if it wasn't for the injuries? No um, question. You look at guys that jumped out straight away, like Jermaine O'Neal, uh, Richard Richard Lewis. Good careers could have been much better players if they'd done a couple of years in college and developed those fundamentals because. When the physical attributes went, they didn't have the smarts or the technique to make up for it. Now, you mentioned earlier about, you know, you're taking the millions. The guy, let's be honest, the guys don't have to go to college. If they don't want to, they can go and start earning money straight away. They can go to Europe. Any player that's really done that, Brandon Jennings, Emmanuel Moutier, and and there was one guy this year who got... he went to Australia. Um, drafted by the Oklahoma City Thunder. I can't think of his name, though. But those guys, they don't tend to go high in the draft because their kids go into Europe. They're playing with men. And those men are much better than them. So the coaches aren't playing them. So for me, here's what you do. You don't want to go to college? That's fine. Here's a two-year contract for the D-League. Yeah. He's going to get paid real money, not bullshit, or G-League, sorry, it's called now, because Gatorade's, but it's just, just nonsense. Like, um, <laughs> You're going to get paid real money. You're going to get paid, I don't know, half a million a year for two years. And you're going to be developed as a basketball player. Mm-hmm. They're like, 
And and to be honest, I kind of just make that your option. So you can do two years in the D-League, or you can go to college for two years. But no kid at 18, with the very few exceptions, is ready for the NBA. Like, LeBron James is a physical freak of nature. Yes, and he, he always was had. ready. He was ready at 15, physically. Yeah. You know, it's kind of like well, Wayne, Wayne Rooney. Wayne Rooney was ready to play with men at 16 because yep. of his physique. Yep. Um, Kevin Garnett was ready because he was a 6'11 small forward when he came into the league. So he was just bigger than everybody else. Yep. With guard was, skill. Yeah, so. but, he, but he didn't start straight away. Um, Kobe didn't start till his second year. And so was great. Remember, he was not great either. No, people were talking his... about him as a bust till his third year. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, two years in the D-League or two years in university. That, for me, is the way forward. Because it, there's going to be the odd freak case like LeBron. But realistically, here here's the thing, right? If LeBron James comes into the league, he went to Cleveland. Because they sucked. Mm-hmm. Because they were awful. And that's the problem is that these young kids come through the college system and immediately they get put on to bad teams with bad teammates. Now, in some cases, they get lucky and they've got a good coach or just some good vets around who can help them. But in some cases, they land on the Sacramento Kings or the Brooklyn Nets or for years, the Sixers and T-Wolves. Mm-hmm. Where there was bad coaches, there was bad teammates. They weren't learning anything, and those guys flamed out of the league. I mean, you look at look at a guy like look at a guy like Michael Beasley, for example. Right, left college after one year. Yeah, phenomenal player in college. Could yeah, have could have gone on to become a great college player. Went to the 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 Miami Heat, and what happened to him? Like poor teammates. Drug a, abuse. A good young coach, but no, yeah. no guiding figures in the locker That's room. What it and then the yeah. next year, Riley right. blows it all up, ships yep. him out because he wants to get LeBron and 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 D Wade and and Bosch together. And realistically, like his career was killed because he came in too early. Anthony Bennett, the guy who was number one pick a couple of years ago. He's Canadian kid, right? Canadian kid, arguably the biggest bust now in in the draft history, because he was number one. Yes. But that guy has seriously legitimate talent. If sure he did. stayed in college two or three years, we could have been looking at another Paul Millsap. Yeah, he just needed you to know? blossom. He yeah, needed, the right he needed to develop. He needed to be coached. He needed to learn how to play the game, and he didn't get that in Cleveland because again they were a young crap team. Mm-hmm. Oh, they were awful. Then he got shipped to Minnesota, a young crap team. Yep. Then he went to Toronto when we released him. They just didn't want anything to do with him. I think he went to Brooklyn then afterwards, maybe, a, a young crap team. And now he's in Europe somewhere. And yeah. he, like, the likelihood of him now making it back to the NBA is, is minimal. But another year in college, he could have learned an awful lot because it's make it two full years. Not this thing where, oh, it's February or it's March. It's March now. The season's over. So I'm finished college. I'm just going to go and chill and work out and get ready and talk to my agent about how I'm going to spend my money. Yeah, and and that's the thing. You know, these kids are going from 17 years old to, well, now you're a grown man with with millions of dollars. And that's, you know, that is, you you can't get any more drastic in life changes. You know, it's having absolute dog shit to being 
to be able to afford anything you want. So I'll end this with this question to you. I said what I had to say. I was more on the money. I, I, I would tell the kid now, obviously, like you said, for career longevity and getting the most out of career, it's probably better to do what you said. If you had, if you had a son who was that good, what would you tell him to do? Honestly, I don't know. I harder, right? It's it's in it like it is. It's a, it's a very difficult decision, and it's very hard for anyone because he to could make take care decision. of you. He could take care of your wife. He could take care. But of at the same pet. time, like if you're in the D League and you're earning five hundred grand a year, and no, like, no, no, this. So let, let me set the parameters. I apologize. Your kid's gonna be a first round pick, guaranteed millions. He may be may still be in the D League. You're right. He may still be on the D League, but mm. your kid is a guaranteed first round pick. I don't care if it's the thirtieth. What do you do? What is your advice to him? To be honest, I I tell him to stay in school a second year. I genuinely would. I I okay. just don't think that short term gain is worthwhile. And while I appreciate that, you can. Like, here's the thing. Those draft grades come out before the kids have to make a decision. So those yeah. kids know, I'm going to be a first-round pick. There's sure. nothing stopping you going and insuring against an injury in that second year. And this is something I think the university should. The NCAA should pay for these policies. They're crooks. They never will. <laughs> the, the NCAA is a disgrace. It is. It's, it's massively. the most corrupt organization in sport, right up there with FIFA and the Olympic Committee. Oh, no question. They're just yeah. appalling. And they need massive overhaul. Like, massive yeah. overhaul. But they need to start looking after these kids. Because they're the ones cry-arsing about the whole thing as well. So you want kids to stay in school for two years? Start paying them a little bit. It doesn't have to be a massive amount. It could be 50 grand a year. You have the money. Let's not pretend you don't. Let's yep. not pretend these universities aren't making billions of dollars a year. Let's not pretend the NCAA didn't just sign a ridiculous contract for the NCAA tournament. Um, so, like, the money is there. It's time to share that money with the players. But it's also time to start ensuring those players' futures. So, if they get hurt, and if they get an insurance policy, which will pay them out any somewhere in the region of about... If they're going to be a first-round pick, somewhere in the region of, say, 3 to $5 million dollars, uh, spread, not not a lump sum, spread over a, a period of time. Because if you can't live off that, I'm sorry. Yeah. Like, I, I'm sorry. If you can't live off that for most of your life, there's something fundamentally wrong with you. But also, guarantee their education so they get to get their degree. They can go on and pursue a master's. And let's start bettering these people. Not just I, as basketball I, players. That's better, that's better than as, as human beings. Better than as intellects because you know you, you see a lot of NBA players getting interviewed and it just looks like the lights are on and nobody's home oh no question yeah, kids same. haven't gone to school since they were 12 yeah the answers you know? are always the same dumb answers and yeah. I, I'm glad we disagreed on that because it I, I've had that conversation with people before and usually it goes oh of course I take the money so Oh, and the kid that you were thinking about was Terrence, was it Terrence Ferguson, the kid from Australia? That's exactly who it is, Terrence Ferguson. Okay, I wasn't sure. So our next topic, 
on our agenda is it's a tough one. Um, I guarantee. Oh, I think we'll both have different answers. But basically, the question is, who is, in your opinion, the best NBA coach of all time? Hmm. I can go first if you'd like. You go first. Okay. I'll tell you what. So the obvious pick here is Phil Jackson to a lot of people, but I'm not a big Phil Jackson fan. And I was stuck between two. I was stuck between Pat Riley uh, because he toured it with two different teams. He was obviously the Lakers in the 80s with Showtime. And he reinvented himself to do it with LeBron's Heat. And I thought, yeah, he, they were great teams and he won a lot. But something was just itching in the back of me saying Greg Popovich is the best coach in the world and maybe ever in mm. sports history, um, which is very debatable. And maybe because I'm on an NBA pod and I love NBA, I'm probably biased. But I'm going to have to say Greg Popovich is the greatest. And he's still coaching. Yeah. The greatest at all time. What do you have to say about that? <laughs> We're not going to disagree. They're the two I thought of as well. Pat Riley uh, and Greg Pat Popovich. Look, Phil Phil has all the rings. And God bless him. He's a, he was an incredible coach. But he was a system coach. Yes. He, he took a system that Tex Winters created. He tweaked it and he made it perfect. But let's not forget, he had Michael Jordan. Yes, he's the did. greatest player in the world. Then he had Kobe and Shaq. Arguably two of the top five players in the world at the time. And then he just oh, had, and then he just had Kobe, who was arguably the best player in the world. If not, he was top two after LeBron. Yeah. I, I mean, <laughs> definitely probably a top five player. Very arguably a top five player ever. Yeah, you know he like, also he also had Scottie Pippen and and you know yeah, he hit great players. Yeah, now, great great players. Pop hasn't been without great players. He had David Robinson. He's had Tim Duncan for the majority of his career. He had Tony Parker, Manu Ginobili, etc. Sure. Um, but for me, Greg Popovich is the greatest coach that's ever lived in at least in basketball. I don't know that he's a better coach than, say, Nick Saban or Bill Belichick. He's certainly in that discussion, you know, yes. with, with Rhinus McHale's, Bob Paisley, people like that. Yes. Alex Ferguson. Yeah. He's, he's, Alex in, Ferguson. He's, he's certainly in that elite group. Sure. Um, for me, because if you look at the Spurs, there's been so many reincarnations of the Spurs. Oh, my gosh, yeah. And he was doing it with the same groups of players, the same core three that won four rings for him, played in about three different types of teams. Um, and that's just phenomenal. Now, Riley is definitely in that mix. And I, I would put him as a second. I think he's a, a close enough second. But if you look at, like, the Showtime Lakers are arguably the most eye-catching team ever. Um, now, he if did, not for these Warriors teams, yeah. yeah. I mean, I would, yeah but again, just, like... That, yeah. I don't know, like, They're for me, I'd rather watch that Lakers, I'd rather watch the Lakers and Celtics from 83, 81, say, through to 87, 88, yeah. than watch anything in the NBA now. Um, but that's just, like, that's a per- personal preference. But sure. that Lakers team, like, they, they, they did have magic, they did have Kareem, so he did have great players, but he went to New York with the Knicks. Mm-hmm. And the team that he created in New York was a polar opposite to to Showtime. But still a really good team. Made the finals, 
probably would have won a ring if it wasn't for the presence of Michael Jordan in the East. Um, yeah, because if great. they if they'd gotten to the NBA Finals, I think there was a couple of years they would have beaten the team that came out of the West. Um, and then, like you say, he went to Miami and just did, and he built that franchise. Let's be very yeah. clear; they and had persuaded been those guys trash. to go there. But yeah. even before that, when he brought Alonzo Mourning down there, and, sure. he dra- and he and he drafted Dwayne Wade, and he won that first ring. Yeah. Um, because he he brought in Shaq on a trade as well. Um, he did. Like his his Miami teams were incredible, and then you look at like what he's done as a as an executive, and it's phenomenal as well. But I I think I think I'd go Popovich one, Pat Riley two, and Phil Jackson three. Same here. The thing for the the thing that's holding Phil back is his teams played one way. Now they were unstoppable in that one way. But he had, he always had at least the best player on the floor, if not the two best players on the floor. Um, that wasn't the case for Popovich. It wasn't the case for Riley outside of LA. And even in LA, you could, well, Bird was better than Kareem for most of Pat Riley's time, um, as head coach of the Lakers. Absolutely. So I, no question. And like he was doing it in that era as well. He did it in the eighties when the NBA was just incredible. You had that great team in Philly. Yeah. It was obviously Jordan came in with the Bulls. Houston had the Twin Towers. And there was just so many, like the Milwaukee Bucks were incredible in that era. The Dallas yes, were. Mavericks were incredible in that era. You just had so many great teams and great players. Utah obviously had the, the two guys, Stockton Stop. Malone, plus Malone. Jeff Malone. And, you know, they, actually speaking of Utah, Jerry Sloan is the greatest coach never to win the NBA title. If I can just throw that out there. Yeah, um, I would probably, well, off the top of my head, yeah, I would agree. Cause he, he was there and he got beat by Jordan's Bulls. And so, two years in a row. Another, so yeah. Good. Another guy who just lost to Michael Jordan. Yeah, so. exactly. But yeah, so I'd go, I'd go Popovich one, Riley two, and, and Phil three. Yeah, I actually had the same thing. And the reason I ended up giving it to Pop is what you said, what I said, but, I, I actually truly believe he's a great man. And my other thing was, I don't think there's a better teacher in the NBA mm-hmm. than Greg Popovich. So, you know, um, all the guys that he takes in that have failed elsewhere. Oh, yeah. Like, and they, and they love him. Yeah. They love him. They absolutely love him. You never hear one bad thing about the guy. And here's the thing I, again, he's a nice person. You rarely hear about him doing great things. And the reason for that is because he doesn't want people to know he does them, exactly. which is the sign of a person who is humble. And that, in my book, counts for a ton because there's so much arrogance going around. But let's get to our final topic. Um, Dave and I are basically going to do a legend. There's numerous legends to choose from. We're going to do this every week because our show is now weekly. Spoke with Gags. He was really cool about it. Um Guy Drinkle is going to be editing us, which is awesome that he's going to be doing this for us. Uh, take a little load off everybody else. So we'll be doing this weekly, guys, so you'll be hearing a lot of us. But our legend we were going to talk about tonight is actually another 76er. No, it was not set up that way. He was also a Phoenix Sun, and it's one Sir Charles Barkley. Um, he was also a Houston one, Rocket, but we won't mention that. <laughs> I, I was going to get to that, but um, those weren't, you know, he, you know, he, we won't mention that, but he was very good there, but it was the end of his career, yeah. although in 96, 97, he was still good, so I won't take that away from him. Um, so Charles Barkley was went to college at Auburn, was the fifth pick overall in the 1984 draft uh, by my Philadelphia 
70. Uh, he was another kind of like when Dave and I talked about Alan Iverson, uh, sort of a one man show for a long time. And the management never did a damn thing, uh, to put anybody around him. Um, and he was finally traded to the Phoenix Suns and, and it's just a horrific trade. I'll, I'll, I, Dave will talk about it. Yeah, a bag of basketballs and some lollipops or something. Yeah. yeah when Jeff Hornacek's part of your big trade, I'm sick to my stomach repeating that back. So I don't want to talk about it, but th- this is a guy who's a NBA hall of famer. He won the MVP in 93. He's an 11 time all-star five time NBA all-star first team. Um, yeah, his jersey's retired by two different teams, and that's the Sixers and the Suns. Famous number 34. Uh, again, he's got a lot of nicknames around mound of rebound. And again, this is a guy, Dave, who was, he's not 6'6, he's about 6'5. Mm. He probably weighed 250 pounds. Um, was just a phenomenal. Yeah, 260. I saw, I saw him interviewed recently, and he said that, so when he joined the Sixers, he wasn't getting to play. No, so it wasn't. He, he's sitting on the bench next to Moses Malone, just during a, during a timeout or something. And he said to Moses, why isn't the coach playing me? And he said he weighed 300 pounds at the time. And again, he's 6'5", so he's quite chunky. And Moses said, because you're fat and you're lazy. And that's what Moses, that's the kind of guy he was. Yeah. So Moses <laughs> said, just lose 10 pounds. So he got to 290. And then Moses said, lose another 10 pounds. So he got to 280 and he started to play better. His coach started playing him. Moses said, lose another 10 pounds. Eventually, in losing 10 pounds at the time, got him to 250 and he said he felt weak. And Moses said, no, 260 is your weight. That's where you play. And that's what Charles said he played basically his, the rest of his career at bar his couple of years, the last year or so in, in Houston. But, um, yeah, like, I mean, when I first kind of started watching basketball in the early 90s. The, the two guys that fell in love with were obviously Jordan and Charles Barkley because mm-hmm. um, the, he was a one-man show. He was an absolute wrecking ball. This guy could would, was an incredible rebounder, especially for his height, but yeah. he would just grab the ball and go, and next thing you know, he'd be dunking at the other end. Um, great passer. If For people that don't know him, his skill set was basically an unrefined LeBron James. He could do everything. He wasn't as physically gifted as LeBron. Or as, like I say, as refined. He wasn't LeBron level passer, but he, he was just, he was a better postal player by far. But he was just a phenomenal player. Um, hates analytics, but would have been, you know, an analytics guy's dream back in the day. Uh, just, he was just so good. And you said he won one MVP. I, I, I still mark him down for two because he got screwed that year that they gave it to Magic. Oh yeah, big um, time. That was Magic's he, comeback year, right? Yeah. And as he, he said it himself, he was a much better player in Philadelphia than he was in Phoenix. Oh god, yeah. But he had more help in Phoenix. That's what it was. His teams were better there. Yeah. And again, another team to make the finals. And run into Mr. Michael Jordan. Jordan you know. so. <laughs> but he was just a phenomenal theme. talent. Like, tr- like li- truly a one-off type. We'll never see a guy 6'5", playing power forward, doing what Charles was doing. Now, if Charles came along now and someone got hold of him as he came into university, they'd probably turn him into a small forward. Um, but he was just incredible. Rebounder, scorer, passer... Not a particularly good defender, but when he decided no. to try, he could he could do a bit. 
he was the best player on the dream team in terms yeah. of performance. Yes, he was. He was the superstar of the dream team. Everybody fell in love with him in Barcelona. Uh, if people who don't know, that's the 1992 uh, men's gold team. For Which people who we, we will do a podcast specifically on that because there's going to be nothing no happening in the NBA for the next couple of months. Yes. Um, but like he was just, and he he just he made the game fun to watch because he just he would try like behind the back passes forty yards up the court, and you just like. You you shouldn't be doing that. Like magic doesn't do that. Well, how can you do it? Like yeah, the way um, he could dribble a basketball for a man his size, mm. starting a fast break. I yeah. might add, that's impressive. And again, I talked about it earlier. Jeff Hornacek, Tim Perry, Andrew Lang. Yeah, three three dogs. Because my franchise is incompetent and sort of still is. Yeah. Um, but that's who we traded for. Him for Hornacek actually went on to be an okay player in uh, he did in Utah, yeah. but that was about it. But like he he needed like you you guys like you said you've done such a terrible job. The last two real superstars you've had you gave them no help, and they yeah you know it's just it's so true. And and let's talk a little bit about because Charles Barkley was as much as he was a great basketball player had his role model controversy. He yeah. was not a role model. He didn't want to be lead. He told kids, don't look up to me. I'm he not right. here. You know, and he was right. He, he you know, he's was not a role model. He did. He hated the media, which is hysterical because he's on one of the, in my opinion, the best pregame, postgame NBA show on TV. Um, I think, TV. I think it's the best in any sport, to be honest. Yeah. I, I kind of do too. The analysis is there. They have, is. they have a laugh between them. They're all very entertaining in their own ways. Shaq is hysterical. Shaq is that. brilliant. I think Kenny's great. I think Kenny's yep. probably Kenny's probably the best analyst because yeah. I think Shaq is quite limited in his views. He's very much an old school kind of guy, even though big he, time. You know, he's not that old. Um, he calls players out on his own show, and it's like you, yeah. you played with some of these guys. Yeah, uh, and I, it's and like like Shaq and the Fool is great, but it's it's a bit it's almost like bullying with some of them, like Kendrick Perkins and Javale. Oh, McGee. yeah, he really got under um, Javale. Skin. I think Charles is a good analyst. I think sometimes he loses the run of himself and he doesn't know what he's actually saying. But like <laughs> the only the only knock I'd have against against Charles is his refusal to accept analytics. Yes, um, he doesn't think, like it. You know, it, I think that's Not a fan. But I, I think he's he's just he's great and he's so entertaining. And I you know you see him interviewed say like he, he did the Dan Patrick podcast recently or the Dan Patrick show. He did the Bill Simmons podcast a while back, and he's just he's really entertaining and. Yeah, Dave, I, I actually agree with that. Um, Charles Barkley was a great player. He was definitely not a role model for children. Um, but as far as Charles Barkley himself, he is an entertainer, one of the greatest basketball players to ever play, like we said, is in the Hall of Fame. But on that note, we're going to leave the rest to the next show. Um, this was episode three. Thank you all for listening. We will be doing this weekly, as I said earlier. And for everybody out there, as I always say, trust the process. <laughs>
millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello HelloFresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. 